Hello and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, JJ Jerez, with me, of course, Arif Dean. Arif, last time we spoke was on the hockey show. I don't know if how many of our listeners got to uh, listen to that and actually knew what was going on, but we mashed up the live radio show with our podcast and a great product came out. I don't know if you got the chance to listen to it, but I loved it. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I actually, you know, I, I've done some radio hits here and there, but to do an actual entire one hour long radio show with the breaks and everything, it's it's a lot of fun because it's like a hockey game. You get on the ice, you have these spurts of energy and spurts of game, and then you take a little bit of a break. And I kind of liked that. I like being able to just spit it all out and then lay back for a minute. Yeah, that's a good comparison right there. And yeah, it's fast hitting, right? It's an hour long, but you feel like 20 minutes go by while you're doing it. So um, you know, I had fun. I, ho- I hope whoever didn't get the chance to catch that, go ahead and listen to it. Let us know how we did, how we did on live radio and, you know, kind of the differences, what you like between the radio show versus our podcast or if they were just the exact same to you. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, either way, it was it was fun. We had a lot of fun conversations. We talked about the Tom Wilson thing, about the playoff race, which we're obviously going to get into today because it has since heated up a little bit more. Uh, but I, it's something I'll definitely do again. So, Next time Ryan Bolden goes skiing, hopefully in June or July, because it always snows here, I'm always here to cover. Yep. Well, uh, as the end of the season continues to kind of drag on on us, right? Most of the league is already done with their regular season, but playoffs are so close you can smell them. We're only a few games away here. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy that we're heading to that final stretch where, like I said on the hockey show, Saturday's game should have been the season finale, May 8th. Had it not been for that second COVID pause the Avalanche had, they would have already been done Saturday. But these three games are the three games that they missed from that second pause in April. Uh, and, and here we are. They got two games against LA. They're kind of pretty big games in, in, in a sense. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see them get through this and then start the playoffs. I mean, back when the season was just getting started and we were talking about what the schedule is going to look like and we said, oh, well, in May they have a good two-week buffer period just in case they have to use it, right, up to May 15th. It's amazing how they're using almost every little bit of it up to May 13th. So uh, I guess it just worked out perfectly with that little window. What's fascinating to me is the first COVID pause the Avalanche had was even longer, if you remember. It was a little bit longer than the five or six days that they had off this time around in April, which now has been a month. And the crazy part is, had it not been for the second COVID pause, they still would have finished the season on time. So what was already a compacted schedule that was released in December or January or whatever the hell was going to end on May 8th. And then the Avalanche had that 10-day pause after that Minnesota game that, you know, around the time where you covered that Minnesota game, and they still fit all the games in. I look back at the schedule of April, and I look back at the schedule of especially March. We were talking about it in February. We were talking about it in January. It was every other day with back-to-backs in there. The Avalanche managed to get through it. They stayed relatively healthy in comparison to last year getting through it. Knock on wood that it stays that way. Every time they had back-to-backs, they did pretty dang well. They've swept their last, what, two, maybe three back-to-backs now, the first and the second leg, and that's that's a big deal going into Wednesday and Thursday's games, but they somehow got through it, and here we are at the end, less than 40, or in about 48 hours, they'll be in the fi- in the finale of the regular season, prepping for playoffs that may start Sunday, may start Monday, very low chance Saturday. I doubt it would be Saturday, but we're there. We're literally right there. 
Right, and I think since our last podcast, you know, we were kind of teeter-tottering on knowing what this team was looking like presently, right? It was kind of them coming back in the swing of COVID, from the COVID break, coming back in the swing of some injuries and a couple losses here and there, but they're kind of back to their winning ways. Yeah. They're not as dominant of wins as we saw in March, but they're, they're wins nonetheless. Oh, yeah. I think they've only dropped one of their last seven, seven. is it? Correct. Yeah. yeah, they beat San Jose one, two, three. They lost game four to San Jose. They beat LA. They beat LA. They beat Vegas. And let's face it, man, like going into that last nine game stretch of the season, it, that was the talk. It was the talk for the Avalanche was you got a bunch of games against San Jose, a bunch of games against LA, and one big game against Vegas, which they won in regulation. And the Golden Knights had a bunch of games against the Coyotes, the Wild. They had, I think, some Avalanche games in there. I think there was a Blue series in there, but they were tougher competition. And now you're at the point with the Avalanche where they've won six of seven. Those three losses that they had to Vegas and St. Louis when Dubnik was starting and Gruby was on COVID and Rantanen and Donskoy, that has since gone away. That's long gone. McKinnon came back after his short absence against uh, LA in those two games. Um, Gerard's not back yet. Saad's not back yet. Alex Newhook is a regular in the lineup. Things just seem to be picking up. And in terms of not winning the games dominantly, you know what? I would much rather, we kept talking about getting into the habits, heading into the playoffs. I'd much rather you get into the habit of being able to close out one goal games because that's what you're going to need to do in the playoffs. Like it was great to do it against LA because LA did have a couple games where they were trying to fight back in the last minute. They did it a couple times against San Jose, same thing. But to do it against Vegas in a game where you were being heavily outshot and Vegas had control of the puck for the final, what, two or three minutes and you still managed to close it out without giving up the game tying goal is massive going into what is going to be a grind of a playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that Vegas win, it was a scrappy win, right? I mean, 2-1, and they just really had had to grind and really even were down early in the game, so had to come from behind and uh, just just fight that one out. But you can't look at that win without acknowledging Grubauer's play, right? Let's kind of start with him. I mean, I think he looks amazing right now. He really has to be He's the one in. giving you the most confidence right now heading into the playoffs, right? It's like, well, this isn't exactly on point. This isn't exactly at its greatest, but Grubauer is at his at his greatest right now. I feel like he's unlike any version of himself we've ever seen. And that's the thing and he kind of he kind of does this every year where he picks up his game heading into the playoffs. He did it a couple of years ago where he basically willed the Avalanche into the playoffs uh going 13-0-1 or whatever it was down the stretch. And it's great. It's what the Avalanche need. I mean, the way that he's playing, not that this is the most important thing, but the way that he's playing Mixed with the amount of goals Vasilevsky has let in lately, mixed with the fact that Marc Andre Fleury is now playing every other game with Robin Leonard, they've been playing back and forth between the two goalies for the last 18 to 20 games now. Mixed with the fact that Varlamov has been losing a few games lately because the Islanders are in a bit of a bad stretch, really puts him at the top of the list of the Vezina trophy. And going into the playoffs, it's again, the Vezina is not the most important thing, but Grubauer playing the way he is is important. The quote from Bednar yesterday, I loved it. Absolutely great. I led my game story with it. He was asked how his team managed to squeak out a victory, and he said, simple, goaltending. That was it. Without him, we don't have any chance in this one. And it's true. The Avalanche just did not deserve that win. Their their play, their play, power play generated one shot. Vegas's power play generated 11. They were completely dominated and outmatched seemingly the entire game. But Grubauer kept it pretty much, you know, within reach the entire time. 
the greatest part about Grubauer's performance, and you've kind of been hinting at this all year long, but it was so evident last night, and that's his calm and confident demeanor, right? I mean, you saw him make a few huge glove saves, just stood up, yeah. put his elbow against the crossbar, and Business just hanging out. Usual. Yeah. And, you know, he was aggressive a lot of times, and I, I just can't emphasize enough how calm he looks. I mean, that's something that I've really valued in a goaltender for a long time when Jonathan Bernier came to Colorado that was my most exciting feature about him was just how calm he was in net and Grubauer is starting to have that and then some I mean he just yeah. looks so impressive with how uh laid back he is back there and he, he just, just making he doesn't get amazing saves yeah. he doesn't get frustrated and I've, t- I've said this before it's the same thing with his media availability he's a different guy this year and he just he's kind of developed that Nathan McKinnon business as usual mentality without the Nathan McKinnon where the screws go loose and he loses his mind. Like he's, he's taken the good features of the Nathan McKinnon mentality and he's run with it. And I absolutely love it. It's very Sidney Crosby. Like, like we've always said, he's very, he's very much in tune with the game. He's ready to go all the time. And he's been saying it all year. He feels good. He's not fatigued. I mean, he hasn't missed any games due to injury. He missed games because of COVID, and he prefers to play every other night. So why not? This is going to be really, really great for the Avalanche heading into the playoffs. Right. I mean, you look at the bigger picture of the whole season for Grubauer, and he's been pretty consistent all year yeah. long, right? I mean, you have some stinkers in there statistically, but those aren't exactly his fault. He came, and he brought the same game all year long, in my opinion, and didn't really deviate too much in one direction or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way he's playing right now, I mean, he's 29-9 and 1, I want to say. Yes, he's 29-9 yep. and 1. He, yeah, he's 29-9 and 1. There's a couple games against LA and this is kind of where it gets a little weird because I don't know what Bednar is going to do with the goaltending heading into these final two games. Because if the Avalanche play Wednesday, which he will likely play Wednesday and win that game, but San Jose also beats uh, Vegas also beats San Jose that same night Wednesday, which is when you guys will be listening to this. Then the Avalanche need to win Thursday to win the President's Trophy. Do it they have be... a shot? I thought there was no shot if the Knights beat San Jose because if, oh, then no, no, if no. they're both down to eighty-two no, no, points, no. Vegas has the uh, more ro- uh, more Roe regular is no season lo- wins. Row is no longer the tiebreaker. RW is a tiebreaker, which is regulation wins. That's why the game yesterday was a big game to win it in regulation. Because if Vegas collected a point from that, all they need to do is beat San Jose and they've and they've won. So if you're the Avalanche, you're probably going to play Grubauer Wednesday. Let's hope he comes out with a victory. I mean, odds are the Avalanche will win that game. If Vegas loses to San Jose, you've locked up the President's Trophy, you've locked up the West. Going into Thursday, you can rest everybody. and Like, Bednar doesn't even have to stand well, up behind the bench. Let's be real. Let's be real. San Jose can beat Vegas, dude. <laughs> San Jose They've done playing it a couple times, but They've, I think at this juncture in the season, there's no chance. It's Okay, so the game is on the road. It's in San Jose. Uh, Vegas is going to be playing short again. I don't know how short. Maybe 16, maybe 17. I don't think it's going to be 15 again. Uh, playing against a team that has nothing to lose, which I know LA is the same thing. It's possible. We saw Vegas lose to Arizona the other day. Like it is very much possible that San Jose could do this. But if not, which brings me to the point where likely Vegas will win that game. The Avalanche win their game. Do you start Jonas Johansson on Thursday in a game where he has to win for them to win the president's trophy? 
Or do you go back to Grubauer knowing that you're probably going to get two or three days off before you start the playoffs? I mean, it's a tough call because you just saw Johansson beat the LA Kings the other night, yeah. right? I mean, it wasn't exactly the prettiest, and he didn't it, you know, do the best, but they got the job done. So yeah. it, it's tough to count against that. But, I mean, that how long is Dubnik out for? How much longer? How long has it been? When can we expect Dubnik to be back? Is he ready for playoffs? I think he'll be ready by the time the playoffs come around, but... Um, it might be around, I mean, he started his COVID thing when the Avalanche were in San Jose, which was the third and the fourth. So he's almost at that 10 days. So it looks like his 10 days will be Thursday. And if you remember, he's at his home in San Jose. They just left him there because he had a home there from, you know, when he played there before the dead, before the trade deadline. So Thursday is when he can drive back to Denver. And yeah, he'll, he'll probably be ready to go by game one or two of the playoffs, which means, you know, it's it's not a huge deal. It's the backup goaltending spot, but he won't be ready to go for Thursday's game. So Johansson's going to have to play one of those games. To me, it makes better sense to start Johansson Thursday than Wednesday because you want to at least give Gruby that first game to win, hope that San Jose can close it out, and then you can do what Boston did today and rest. 15 guys. Boston rested their top eight forwards, all six of their defensemen, and Tuka Rask. Like, nobody's playing that game. It's literally like two guys and Curtis Lazar. Like, there's no one left on that roster, and that's what the Avalanche are hoping they can do, but it's likely not going to happen. Uh, but the option is there if San Jose beats Vegas. Well, let's get back to diving into that game a little bit because we're hoping that this is going to be the Honda West Finals, right? The yeah. Vegas versus the Avalanche matchup. So, I mean, it, like I said, it was a scrappy win. Like you said, the Knights had a shortened bench, but it was a 2-1 hard-fought victory. I guess let's just open it up with what did we learn from that game? I mean, what do we expect to see in a semifinal or I guess, what is it, quarterfinal matchup technically um, between these two teams? Well, assuming they both get there, which is by no means a guarantee considering the competition they have, uh, it's going to be a very tough series for the Avalanche. And and I say that because, and I asked Jared about this yesterday, the Avalanche outshot the Golden Knights and get this for numbers because these kind of numbers are not numbers that the Avalanche or the opposition was putting up in an entire week, let alone one night. The hits were 49 to 45. The Avalanche were the team with 49. And when I asked Jared Bednar about it, he said we had 49 hits because they had the puck three times as much as we did. So we were constantly chasing. We were checking to try to get the puck back, but they were the more physically dominant team. There is one thing that Vegas can do, which is very reminiscent of the Dallas Stars last year. They can piss the Avalanche off on a dime. Miko Rantanen, Ryan Graves, Nathan McKinnon, Alex Newhook. You name it. There were guys yesterday that Vegas was getting under their skin, and Ryan Reeves wasn't even in the lineup. Nor was the guy that scores a goal every time they play, Max Pacioretty. Nor was Alex Alec Martinez, who's a pretty dominant presence on that blue line and can play a physical game. Nor was Thomas Nosek, who's a very, very scrappy guy. Or Marc-Andre Fleury in the crease, who all he does is give his Fleury smile and completely shut out this team every single time they play. So what you're going to have in that series is an avalanche team that's going to need to take that Philip Grubauer mentality and run with it. Keep that business as usual mindset and don't let the Golden Knights get under your skin because that is exactly what they did yesterday. They did a heck of a job and they were almost successful. The game was very much reminiscent and reminded me of the Andrew Hammond game, the nothing but guts 
guts all over the place mm-hmm. game because they were getting heavily outshot. Their goaltender was standing on his head. And then there was a two-on-one rush for the game-winning goal that involved JT Comfort, except instead of Sven Andragetto, it was Alex Newhook. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a two-on-one, but it was a nice pass right into the crease. And it was very reminiscent of the game. The Avalanche scored a second goal, stole it, and got out from that building. It reminded me of that game a lot. Uh, the only difference is the Avalanche are not going to be... Scraps. Right. Post-whistle scraps, sure. I think at the end, that game really came down to numbers, simply. Uh, I think you saw that the uh, Vegas Golden Knights had a shortened bench, and you think, okay, third period is probably where that's really going to make a difference, and ultimately, I think that's what it did. I mean, they credit to Vegas for playing as hard as they did with such a short bench, but eventually that wears on a team and gets to you. It does, and the funny thing is about that is Nathan McKinnon was coming back from his two-game absence against the Kings on the road, and he wasn't very Nathan McKinnon-like. I'm not saying he's playing hurt, but he wasn't really his dominant self. So yes, the Golden Knights were playing with a shortened bench, but the Avalanche's stars didn't really do much. I mean, Kale McCarr kind of got beat a couple times. Connor Timmins got beat a couple times. Rantanen was taking penalties, frustrated, couldn't really do much. Landeskog was getting a little scrappy, didn't provide much else. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was pretty much non-existent. He was invisible. Uh, He wasn't a positive factor or a negative factor. He just kind of was there. So Vegas was shorthanded, but the Avalanche kind of didn't really have everybody operating at full strength either. However, but the big difference is they still had 18 skaters. And that's the biggest thing because now you still have more guys to distribute the ice time to keep everybody fresh. The hardest part about replacing Alec Martinez is trying to figure out who's going to play his 24 minutes. It's even harder when you take him out of the lineup and you don't put in another defenseman to at least eat seven or eight of them. Yeah, and I think, you know, credit is all due to the way they played that game. I mean, Vegas frustrated the hell out of the Avalanche by playing the heavy style. I mean, as soon as the first pass was made out of the breakout, there's a body on that forward, whoever's there to receive it. As soon as any forward entered the blue line, there's a body on him right there. So, you know, just frustrating the avalanche from an X's and O's standpoint eventually got them pissed off and gets you into the, you know, dumb penalty mindset and the Ryan Graves whistle scraps. Just a brutal penalty call. But, uh, I mean, that's the part that worries me about playing Vegas if it gets to that point is the fact that Pete DeBoer can do this. He can do it again. I mean, the Avalanche, Bednar and DeBoer went at it two years ago. If they go at it again, that is going to be a tough matchup. Because even on the penalty kill, when the Vegas Golden Knights were shorthanded, every single pass the Avalanche made, someone was there. And I kept looking around like, one, two, three. Yeah, they have four on the ice. How do they keep getting someone there? So something from an X's and O's standpoint was working really well for Pete DeBoer. And uh, they were doing a good job of pretty much blocking out Rantanen blocking out McKinnon from being able to do those cross-ice pass passes. Even McCarr, when he was getting the puck at the blue line, instantly someone was on him. He had to kind of like try to get the puck back to McKinnon because he couldn't do much with it. He couldn't, you know, push the puck deeper into the zone and get between the circles and, and fire a goal like he was against the Sharks. So that's going to be a very, very tough series from a tactical coach-on-coach standpoint for the Avs. Right, I think that's the strength of this Vegas Knights team is their defensive group combined with their goaltending, right? I mean, it used to be that this was a heavy firepower offense, and it's not that they're bad. I mean, they still are pretty uh, up in the top tier of the NHL in goals four, 
But their emphasis is on this defense and their goaltending, which is what makes them such a tough matchup for the Avalanche. It's a lot like the Avalanche, who used to be only an offensive team. Now they are pretty strong on the defensive and goaltending side of it. But yeah. just the it, it's tough for the Avalanche weapons to get going against this defensive group. And I think uh, this is not by any means a jab at Kel McCarr because the stupidest thing you can do is take a jab at Kel McCarr in his game. But this is where you miss Sam Girard. Because what we see with Girard as a player, yes, McCarr is a very fast skater, but Girard is insanely good at escaping hits. He doesn't get hit. He doesn't get hurt. I know he's hurt right now, but that was kind of a fluky play behind the net. He doesn't get hit. He doesn't get hurt. He does a really good job of protecting the puck, and he's the kind of guy the Avalanche needed to push that puck into the zone. He's the kind of guy they needed for zone entries, to have those clean zone entries, to be able to move the puck on the power play. And you really saw how much he was missing yesterday. And uh, I think that's something that, you know, not to be discounted is the fact that Sam Gerrard is a massive part of this team and having him back in time for the playoffs and a potential series against Vegas in the second round, if it gets to that point, is going to be huge for the Avalanche. But before they fight Vegas in the second round, right now the fight is for first place. And uh, it's going to be a fun fight. And I think Gerard may be ready for one of these two games as well. Right. I think the consensus, consensus around the league is that both of these teams are very offensively dangerous. But, I, you know, I think the stats say, like I said, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are first in the league in goals against. And I think the Avs are third. So, I yeah. mean, that Sam Gerard and the defensive group is a huge part of the success of this team. And the same goes yeah. for Alec Martinez. So with both defensive groups healthy, I mean, this is just two two of the best teams in the NHL and we're, as you said we're hoping it gets to a, a matchup between them yeah and I mean that's the funny thing is people look at the offensive numbers from the Avalanche and from the Golden Knights and talk about how these are two offensive teams but they're not these are two of the best teams probably the best teams in the NHL they're well-rounded they score a lot of goals and they don't let in a lot of goals they take a lot of shots they don't let a lot of shots against I was looking at the numbers of Vasilevsky and Grubauer yesterday Vasilevsky has played three more games than Grubauer and he's faced 250 shots more that's how good the Avalanche have been in in uh, in keeping teams from shooting. We remember that wow, stretch yeah. in March when they were you know giving up 15, 16 shots a game. And then they had that whole streak of how many games in a row they didn't let in 30 shots. And there was like a four-game stretch in there where they didn't, they didn't even let in 20 shots a game. So something was really, really working for the Avalanche. And for the Golden Knights too, they're both two of the best teams at not only scoring goals, but keeping the other team from scoring goals, which is what would make it such a good series we're getting way ahead of ourselves because it's not even there yet. But like the Minnesota Wild are going to give somebody a lot of issues, whether it's the Golden Knights or the Avalanche. The funny thing is, if you're Minnesota, you're kind of hoping that you play Vegas because Minnesota's done pretty dang good against Vegas this year. They haven't done as good against the Avalanche. I know they won that game where they scored a lot of goals. They came back from that 5-1 game. But the Avalanche have matched up pretty well against Mini. But the Wild have been able to give Vegas... A lot of tough games and I think they could take them for the Blues standpoint they've done pretty good against the Avalanche recently but if I'm an Avalanche fan you know if I'm an Avalanche fan or if I'm the Avalanche themselves if I'm Jared Bednar I don't know which one I would prefer because we talked about preferring Minnesota but then I listened to Darren Pang on a radio show or a podcast the other day and you know Darren Pang obviously he works for the St. Louis Blues and he does a lot of coverage for their games and he said the Blues would probably want to play Vegas more than Colorado. 
And that took me by surprise because they looked pretty good against the Avalanche these last couple of weeks. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly did a really good job of being able to outmatch McKinnon in one of those games. And I just thought it was fascinating that the Wild would rather play Vegas. The Blues would rather play Vegas. Maybe the Avalanche really are a dangerous team and, and the team to beat. Well, it makes me think back to the offseason, kind of just after the Stanley Cup Finals. And I was mentioning how around the world, I mean, every single league, the best teams were winning, right? The top yeah. teams were the ones that were ending up at the top. And you're seeing that again this year, right? We, we went into the season saying, who are the best two teams? The Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. It's just fascinating to see that the race for the President's Trophy is actually coming down to those two teams. Yeah, and, and it's crazy that they're probably going to play in the second round. A lot of people look at that series. If it gets to that point, again, I can't stress this enough. You know what's funny? Before I get to that point, if the Avalanche go 0-2 and the Minnesota Wild go 2-0 and against St. Louis, the Avs are third in the division. <laughs> they don't even have home ice advantage. Like That's still a possibility. That's how good Minnesota has been. We're talking about Vegas and Colorado, and the Wild have hung around. And their schedule's not been any easier than the Avalanches or the Golden Knights. In fact, I would argue that the Minnesota schedule has been harder. Because if you're Colorado, you only have to play Vegas. If you're Vegas, you only have to play Colorado. If you're Minnesota, you got to play both these damn guys eight times each. So that's the crazy part about them. But the Avalanche-Vegas series, if they meet in the second round, is likely going to be looked at as the Stanley Cup final or that series where whoever wins this series is going to win the Cup. We saw those series many, many years in a row between Washington and Pittsburgh. Whoever wins this series is going to win the Cup. And I think it was three years in a row, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Washington. They finally were able to to slay the dragon, and then they went on and won their own cup against, coincidentally, Vegas. So it's going to be a lot of fun if it gets to that point. I mean, a lot of fun across the league, right? We got announcement the playoffs are starting Saturday. We already have some uh, schedules coming out. I, I just love to see it, and it's also time to really get your betting going because nothing beats playoff hockey and nothing beats having action on playoff hockey along with hockey big names are headlining this weekend's ufc 262 card from nate diaz to michael chandler there will be no shortage of action and DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the ufc has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds one fighter will be walking away with the belt Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is secure, safe, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I'm really interested in a way to put a dollar to turn it into 100 on the fight for first. And uh, that may involve some parlays because Colorado and Vegas aren't playing each other, but they're fighting for first against two teams in California. 
Uh, and that's probably going to be just as exciting as this UFC fight, if you ask me. Yeah, and not to mention, Saturday night, like I said, is the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so why wouldn't you want to throw some action on that? I mean, I'll be all over it. I know that much. Saturday night, Edmonton and Vancouver are going to play in a regular season game at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time, and then at 5.15 p.m. Mountain Time, Boston and Washington play a playoff game. I don't know if ever the NHL has had a regular season and a playoff game on the same day, but um, I'm sure there will be more games on that Saturday. I mean, everybody in the East and the Central finished their season yesterday. They're all done. So they're going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday off, so I would assume they're going to play Saturday. Considering the fact that the Avalanche are playing Thursday, I'm assuming they're going to have Friday, Saturday, maybe even Sunday off before they start the playoffs. But the fact of the matter is the NHL is going to have a regular season and a playoff game on the same night, and that's just really crazy. And it's fun. And it's fun and exciting. Only in the COVID world. <laughs> um, you know, you got into it a little bit how the Avs are going to look kind of from a lineup standpoint heading into these next couple games. How about from an X's and O's standpoint against these next two games in the Kings what do you expect to see, and what are you hoping to see from the Avs? Uh, obviously, two victories, but you know more intricately than that, what are you thinking? It's it's going to be similar to what we saw when they were playing the Kings in L.A. Both of those games, I believe they took a 3-1 to lead into the third and then let in a goal and won 3-2 to and just kind of closed it out. But it's going to be that kind of game. It's going to be the games where you score early, you get a lead, you keep the lead the whole game, you don't really relinquish it. You outshoot them by a lot, especially at Ball Arena. I mean, I don't know what it is about this team playing at home. They are a much better team than they are on the road. They were 16-9-2 and on the road. They're 24-2 and at home. Well, 19-4-2 and because Tahoe was a home game for some reason. So they got a pretty dang good record at Ball Arena. They're playing a team that isn't really very good. I know they don't really have much to play for, and they can be a spoiler, but I'm expecting the Avalanche to win both of these games easily. Um, and... Maybe not as easy the second game if San Jose loses, if San Jose beats Vegas and they get to rest everybody, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it's going to be super easy because if we think the season's been dragging on, think of a team like the LA Kings <laughs> who have been out of it for the last three weeks and still having to keep going. Like you just said, Edmonton has to play Vancouver. How long has Vancouver been out of the mix? And they're the last game of the regular season, poor guys. So you just got to think LA's golfing in their minds. And, you yeah. know, I was thinking that last week when we saw. Uh, them playing against the Anaheim Ducks in Ryan Miller's last home game, right? And you're just like, it's got to be hard for both these teams. Luckily, they're both in L.A., so they're not too far from home, but it's just got to be hard for either of these teams to get up for this one, and I think that's where L.A.'s at. Like, oh, man, we got to face Colorado for these last two games of the season when it really doesn't even matter, and then after that we get to go home, back to L.A., and relax for a few months. You know, I know this isn't the hockey show, so we don't get to do an entire segment on teams around the NHL, but have you been seeing the recent quotes, for example? I mean, we all, everybody's heard the Jack Eichel quotes and what's been going on with him. And like you said, the season's been dragging him and, and the Buffalo Sabres just waiting for the season to end. You and I talked about on the hockey show, the Rangers just waiting for the season to end. Have you seen the quotes from Patrick Liney today? No. Where he said, I'm not going to go play at the World Championship because... I don't want to play hockey right now. The season sucks. Everything about it sucks. I don't want to skate. I don't want to play hockey. I just want to move on. Like it was just this whole bunch of everything that could have went wrong went wrong. It was just like this whole big thing of like, I'm, I need a break. I need to get the hell away from this game. And it's kind of reminiscent to Ryan O'Reilly's. I lost the love for this game. And then 12 months later, raising the Stanley cup in your face, everybody. But like, 
there are some pretty strong quotes coming out of these teams that are that are going to be missing the playoffs just from how much of a mental grind the season has been. And and that's not even discounting the fact that someone like Nathan McKinnon is just like dying for the season to end and he's on a team that could win it all. Yeah. So it's it's really crazy to think of that. I keep thinking about the conversation they've had on 31 Thoughts where Elliot Friedman said that there are some players that are contacting him and saying, um, you know, our camaraderie and our brotherhood is stronger than ever. And then other players saying we absolutely hate each other right now. Right. So you yeah. got to think Columbus is probably one of those teams that they just don't want to be there anymore. I'm sure John Tortorella didn't help. You know, he's probably just add just added stress on a player who's already kind of stressed out. So, um, yeah, I, th- I just found that fascinating. And you got to think, you know, where do the avalanche land? And you, you assume that they're on the you know side that's still getting along great. You'd hate for that not to be the case. But um, it's just, a, a no, you know, a fascinating snippet that went into this covid season. They, they have too good of a leadership group to let anything ruin what they have in that locker room. The Patrick Line quote, I have it here. You won't see me in the, I mean, if this is translated from Finnish, so it's word for word is kind of wonky, but you won't see me in the world because of this season. I can't even I can't stand even a game of hockey. It was an absolutely miserable experience team wise and personally. Only good thing is that the season is over. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Damn. <laughs> so so he's he's gonna sit out the world and he needs a break. He needs a mental break and you know, the LA Kings are probably feeling the same way. That's kind of how we got on this topic is LA is just like, all right, Colorado, do your thing, have your way with us, whatever, just let it be done. We want to go home. I'd be, I'd be so curious. I wish it was back to where we could go into a locker room and talk to a player face to face. Um, because I, I'm genuinely interested in asking Nathan McKinnon if he's having fun playing hockey right now. I know it's it's probably easy for him to say yes, but reading between the lines and reading into the situation, I, I can't a wait more, to ask him. Yeah, I can't wait to ask him. I mean, him next year. or maybe even after the season, like, did you actually have fun? Because it doesn't feel like he is, um, you know. And I think only scoring 20 goals so far is not up to his expectations, so that has to add to his frustration. But uh, it just feels like he's not enjoying the game of hockey, but hopefully the playoffs kind of reignite some love for him and winning especially does too. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that he's not enjoying the game of hockey, nor is he waiting for the season to end. I just think he's sick of this constant routine of a grind of playing every other day against the same. I mean, he mentioned it in his quote a couple of weeks ago when we asked him about the schedule. Would you like the schedule for the future? And he completely misunderstood the question because he thought we were talking about playing the same seven teams. He's like, no, I'm so sick of this. I want to travel. He's he's sick of the same routine of going to Arizona, California, Vegas, and whoever the hell else is in the division, St. Louis. And he's sick of the same routine of not being able to go out. He's sick of the fact that there's not looser restrictions. All of that's kind of going to change in the playoffs. And when it comes to the playoffs, playing the same team seven games in a row or six or five or four is something you're already used to. It's a different mindset. It's not the regular season. What I think Nate hated was the fact that it was seven teams with a bunch of restrictions in terms of what you can do outside of the rink. And there was back-to-backs and, you know, like we're seeing right now. You think Nate wants to close the season playing four or five against freaking LA? Right. He's like, what are we doing? That one game against Vegas, he's like, that's the one game I didn't even wake up for because I was out the two LA games and I, you know, I was wasted all my energy against San Jose. Like, he's like, what are we doing here? So that's kind of what I think. I don't think that's that he's not enjoying the game or he's waiting for it to end. I just think he was trying to get through this weird regular season to just get to the playoffs to feel a little bit more normal, which 
it will be normal. No, I get it. I think you're 100% right. It's the monotony of the entire season that's yeah. bugging him the most. But I think, you know, there's a big difference between a player who's unhappy and just pissed off and playing a, a, a tighter game, I guess, a more tense game than a player who's just simply happy, enjoying himself, living life to the fullest. You know, I, and I think for Nathan McKinnon, those two mindsets can, you know, bring a much more various version of hockey player than other players would, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Nathan McKinnon in a regular life already looks pissed off all the time. Have you seen him in a locker room? He's a really nice guy, very approachable, but he's just always got that business face on, like you can't break him. I've seen him crack a couple times uh, with Ryan Clark of all people, but uh, I mean, this is just how he is. This is his personality. But the good part is I know he only has 20 goals, but he's playing good hockey. I know he hasn't played good hockey in a week and a half, and that's because he's missed a week. And then he played a game against Vegas where he just really wasn't a factor. But I think he's going to be a huge factor in the playoffs, and I think he's going to have a great time. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there have been times where I'll, I'll be there in the scrum interviewing him after the game, and he's just you know somewhat unpleasant. 20 minutes later, I see him in the hallway after everything settled down. He's like, hey, what's up, man? You know, he's a completely different person in the he's locker room. He's a nice room guy. I, I, can't wait for the, I can't wait for the locker room access again. <laughs> it's so much different. It's just the Zoom fatigue is so real. Yeah. I mean, you and I are on, you and I are Skyping this podcast. And when we were in person on Saturday, we were buzzing. It it's just great, a different feel. It? It's just a different feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess this is a good place to start winding down, wrapping up the show. Uh, we do have our Mile High Sports three stars of the week to get to. But before we do, anything you else, anything else you want to get to um, regarding the last two games, regarding the final chase here against the Az in Vegas or, you know, anywhere else around the league? No, I'm just excited that the Avalanche really made this a fight for first place because after they lost that game to San Jose, it kind of looked like they were not going to be able to do this. Um, actually, no, heading into the four games against San Jose, it looked like they were not going to be able to do this, but they took three of four from the Sharks. They took the game against Vegas. They beat LA twice. They obviously have to beat LA twice again in order to make it work unless Vegas loses. That's a pretty dang good way to end the season. So shout out to them. If you remember in 2014, they did the exact same thing. They won, won, won. They beat the Blues. The Blues lost, 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 lost to the Avalanche. And that gave Avs first in the Central and a matchup against the Wild instead of a matchup we all wanted to see of Colorado-Chicago. And the Avs lost in the first round. But this time around, I think that they are going to win the President's Trophy. I think they're going to do it. And I think it's going to be a good thing for them because even if playing St. Louis and playing Minnesota is going to be competition regardless... Winning that first place, winning that President's Trophy is going to give them a lot of confidence going to the playoffs. I think they're going to win this fight for first. How about this? I feel like Jared Bednar's emotion yesterday, I know he said he wasn't exactly pleased with the way his team played, but I feel like we saw more emotion, more yelling from Jared Bednar than we've ever seen uh, ever. On the bench? Yeah. It all started from the goal. Do you remember when the goal was scored? Mosier and McNabb were talking about how the bench was trying to get the referee's attention when Vegas scored because I think they wanted to challenge it for goalie interference. Just like I don't know. I saw the replay and it didn't really look like goalie interference. But from that moment on and then off the ensuing faceoff, Vegas went in, had a rush, and missed a wide-open net to take a 2 nothing yeah. lead. And it was from that moment to the rest of the game, Bednar was just pissed off. And whatever he was on, it worked. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you love that fire and you love everybody turning that intensity up. I mean, even from Jared Bednar, not exactly, you know, the biggest deal of a game. I mean, sure, you want to beat Vegas and you want to keep contending for this president's trophy, but, you know, it's not life or death here if you lose. And he's just, you know, at level 11 with his intensity. And I love it because that's exactly what he needs to do. And the intensity, everything needs to be at top notch heading into this weekend. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's earned the right to do that. He's earned the respect of all of his players, the leadership core, the rookies. Everybody respects Jared Bednar, media. We all love the guy. So when he fires up the intensity to a level 11 like that, you know that he means business. It's not something he does often. Yeah, so that brings us to the Mile High Sports Three Stars of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Star number three. We're going with Tyson Jost, mainly because those couple games that Nathan McKinnon sat out, Tyson Jost assumed first-line center duties and did quite well, even buried himself a goal. And I just, you know, he mentioned how fun it is to play with Miko Ranton and Landeskog. I think that's obvious and evident, but he performed, right? Not just any old schmo can jump in there and look good, and I think he looked pretty solid. Yeah, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, but Tyson Jost is the best guy to pull a William Carlson and get drafted by an expansion team and suddenly score 40, 50 points in a season after doing nothing for the team that drafted him. It just seems like he's getting there. And if the Avalanche can't protect him, that's what he would do with Seattle. But shout out to him. He did a really good job and it lasted. Like it wasn't something where Bednar started it with Tyson Jost. And then after like a period and a half, he's like, screw this. Soderbergh, you're up. Kadri, you're up. New hook. Here's like Jost got that spot and he did pretty well at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that uh, he does pretty well with the ladies around Denver. Not a boy, Tyson. <laughs> Bringing us to star number two. We're going to give it to Miko Rantanen for surpassing the 30 goal mark. I guess he's still stuck at 30, so he hasn't surpassed yeah. it. But hitting the 30 goal mark, uh, you know, I think that's pretty great and pretty impressive. We love to see Miko Rantanen playing at his highest potential, and I think he's done so all year. Yeah, and he did it in just 48 games, which is the second fastest in Avalanche history. Joe Sackick did it in 44 games back in 95-96. The second fastest before this was Nathan McKinnon last year in 49 games. So now Miko, believe it or not, has reached 30 goals in a season faster than Nate has. And you better believe McKinnon's going to do it in 47 games next year now. Yeah. It's 100%. You know that he's going to do it in exactly 47 games, <laughs> not 46. And they're just going to be at it over and over again. Yeah. But I love, I love Miko this year. He's been awesome. He's got the A on his sweater. He just seems like an older, more mature guy. But at the same time, he has this fire to his game. And like we were talking about his frustrations, the guy's getting a lot more games where he's just getting pissed off and jawing at the ref and jawing at the other team. And I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you don't want to cross the line with the refs, but with the other teams, he's he's pretty fired up. Right. I mean, he got a penalty last night, and yeah. with Vegas, you could tell him more than anybody, like you were saying, they get under his skin, and they're yeah. physical, and he hates it, and you just got to make sure for playoff time, and if they do meet in that second round, that he's not getting off of his game by it. If anything, it needs to elevate your game and you know yeah. make you play a little bit more physical and start turning into more of a Peter Forsberg reverse hitter. Yes, it needs to make him play better and not play worse, and that's the biggest factor. I mean, the crazy thing about Miko Rand is we think of him as this like European, high-skilled forward that does nothing but score points, but he's a big body. His lower body is built like Yermer Yager. I mean, this is a podcast. He has an ass like Yermer Yager, and uh, he's just got this great low center of gravity. He's a big guy. He's 6'4", over 200 pounds. Put it this way. 
yes, he's a skilled guy. Yes, he's not much of a fighter. But if that's the guy jumping on Tom Wilson's back, he's not doing to Ranton and what he did to Panarin. Because Ranton has got the size, the physicality, and the skill. And it's just it's a great package to have in one player. Yeah, you look, And scores 30 goals in 48 games. I love when he's dipsy-doing around the corner as if he's you know 5'8". <laughs> And he's this big boy. Um, but yeah, star number one, we're going to our old friend, Pauly Stasny, for playing his thousandth game tonight. I can't believe it's already a thousand. I mean, I remember when he was at his DU days and his young yeah. Avalanche days. Crazy thing I saw um, on NHL Network tonight that I didn't realize is Paul Stasny and his dad and his uncle all played with Joe Sackick at one point in their careers. That's so awesome. I love it. I love the Stastny family and the connection they have with Denver. I know it kind of ended weird, uh, you know, with the with him walking in free agency and going to St. Louis and all that. But shout out to him, man. 538 of those games are with the Avalanche. He had great seasons here. His best years were with the Avs. He had a massive, what was it, 25-game point streak as a rookie. And he was just all class all the time. And my favorite hashtag, nobody used it but one person. And that was John Michael Lyles. It was hashtag Pauly Walnuts 1000. And I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you you like to think, you know, what if? What if he would have stayed? Would he still be a part of this team? But, you know, you know, he's just not Jared Bednar's style. I don't think he can play this speedy game. Yeah. And I think he would have been out no matter what. So, you know, what's funny. I, I look at Carl Soderberg and I see a guy that if Bednar didn't get him the first year he was here and like kind of, you know, because. Soderbergh played when Patrick Watt was a coach in 2016. So he kind of just acquired him with the team. He inherited. He inherited him. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. He inherited Soderbergh, but had he not inherited Soderbergh, we would have looked at Carl as the kind of guy that this guy just doesn't play the kind of game that Bednar plays. So when the Avalanche went out and acquired Soderbergh at the trade deadline this year, I know he's making 700K and that was a big factor. But if they brought in Paul Stasny, it would have been the exact same kind of role. Not that Winnipeg was trading him, but basically... Stastny could fit with this team in a lesser role. And I really truly do think that. Uh, and, and I know I kind of say this with a lot of former Avs, but Stastny's the kind of guy to me that probably will end his career with the Avalanche one way or another hmm. and then retire here like Quincy, like John Michael Lyles, like David Clarkson, like all these guys that have decided to retire in Denver. Paulie just seems like the kind of guy that would do that too. Just uh, headlining the dog bowl, right? Yeah, that whole crew. Man, the dog bowl could get some really good players somehow. That's got to be the best tournament in all of Colorado. So shout out to Ken Clee, John Mitchell. There's just all these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Jan Hada. Yeah. Jan Hada, who I had the pleasure of uh, sharing a few beers with over the past weekend. So that was a delight. They recently released their Czech Pilsner that they brewed. Uh, Milan nice. Hayduk and Jan Hada. It was a good beer, and it was uh, fun catching up with those guys and getting to hang out with them. So, uh, you know, look out for John Mitchell on the hockey show this weekend. He's going to help us break nice. down the playoffs. We recruited him while we were uh, Oh, sure, yeah. We get the it. good guests when Eric's not co-hosting. That's cool. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the booking department. The booking department was off skiing last week. Eric, if you talk too much, I know you. if we had a guest, you'd just be you talking over oh, them the whole time. Look, guests would despise. <laughs> They're like, who's this jackass on the podcast can we talk are we here to talk a question or is he just going on is he just talking (laughs) hey like i'm gonna pull up peter mcguire pierre mcguire and start telling mitchell something about his career that he didn't know like what are you who is this kid (laughs) right on well i guess that's a good place to stop Uh, a bit short for you guys here but we'll be back friday to start previewing the playoffs after that last game and kind of see the results of the president's trophy and start getting you pumped up for the postseason
the President's Trophy that the Avalanche are going to win because they're going to win this fight. Did Connor McDavid really call the President's Trophy the President's Cup? He scored 100 points in 53 games. He can call it whatever the <laughs> hell he wants to call it. Right on. Well, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us right here on Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll be back Friday, so if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Hockey's for everyone, and we at you. Thank you.